0: I am so excited to be here with you to chat about all things health, hormones, and mindset. Are you ready? Let's get it. Hello, welcome back to Mind Your Hormones. I am so I don't even know if I want to use the word excited for today. I don't even know what, but today's episode is so freaking good. It is an interview episode with Jerrica Heaty. And what we talk about in today's episode is so important for this community because I know that many of you might be going through this right now or you have people in your life that are going through it or that have gone through it in the past. So what we're talking about is infertility, IVF, and grief. And this is actually going to be a two-part series because it was such a long episode with Jerrica because of how incredible her uh, story is that I was like, okay, not going to just drop a two-hour plus episode right now. So we are breaking it up into 2 Episodes, but today's episode what you're going to learn, or not so much learn, it's this episode is more of this series is more about a story. So I think it's really important for people to understand and just. Hear what the actual emotions are like when you are going through something like infertility, like IVF, like grief. And I'm personally not somebody that has experienced that, which is why I don't really talk about it on this show because I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know what that's like when I've never gone through it. But I do believe the importance of bringing light to certain situations. And Jerica's story is so incredible. This part one is really just the journey of navigating infertility and IVF and what that actually feels like on an internal level, what it could look like to seek support for it, and just the ins and outs of it. I really want you, if you are someone that's going through this, to feel connected and know that you're not alone. And also, if you're not someone that is, but you know somebody that is going through it, it's a really good episode for you to listen to so you can understand on a deeper level and know how to better support them. And then part two of this episode is going to be more about uh, the rest of the story and how it all ended. I I will leave that to this episode for you to hear about it. Now, I want to give a disclaimer too. If you are someone right now that is navigating infertility and IVF and maybe even hearing about it or somebody's story, like it's just you don't want to hear about it. You don't want to plug into it. Like I just want to obviously give a caveat that that's what we are talking about. Clearly, it's an episode um, title, but I just want you to know that if it's something that's triggering for you right now, maybe to skip over it. But really, this part of the conversation is going to be really uh, comforting for you to just hear her call out what you're probably feeling internally. And again, knowing what that support looks like for other people. So without further ado, let's get into this episode with Jerica Heady. Jerica, I am so excited to first of all finally like connect with you after so many years of being connected on the Instagram world and also to bring you and your story to this community because your story is super powerful the way you deliver it like there's so many people listening that are going to be able to connect with you so I'm really 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 excited to chat with you today. So before we get into all the juice, just introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you currently do, and then we'll get into why you got into this space.
1: All right, cool. So first of all, thank you for having me, Corinne. This is an amazing opportunity. So like Corinne said, my name is Jerica Hetty, and I am an entrepreneur. I'm an author, a speaker, um, and a coach. And, you know, currently I am a full-time stay-at-home mom, which is like a new thing. Um, it's been quite the shift. Um, but yeah, like you said, we have connected on Instagram for like a couple of years at this yeah. point now. So I'm really excited to like be quote unquote face-to-face with you. <laughs> yes. and, zoom to Zoom. Yeah, Zoom to <laughs> Zoom and just really hang out Um and inspire your community today yeah. so thank you for the opportunity
0: yeah now before we get into that let's just talk about what you just said so you're a newly at home mom what 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 were you doing before what's that like now because I know some people are could probably connect with that
1: Yeah. So I was in the corporate world. I worked in accounting and I honestly hate numbers. So (laughs) I kind of fell into that. That was like not my career path. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have a health belt uh, background, but I was injured at work. And so then I kind of pivoted into accounting. Um, So that's where I was. And then um, right before the pandemic, I actually quit my full-time job with the intention of traveling to Europe and writing another book and scaling my podcast and doing mm-hmm. all of these things. And what happened was um, the day before I quit my job, New York state shut down to flatten the curve. Oh. And then shortly after that, I was pregnant. So all of those plans yeah. Went out the window.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep. <laughs> As so many people have a good experience with. So yeah. Everything changed from there. So then what happened? So
1: um, you know, I'll just dive right into my story. So yeah. We so yeah, were, let's do that. Let's talk about your yeah. story. <laughs> so Um, we started our infertility journey in like 2017. Mm -hmm. And so super, super backstory to that is as a child, I was actually, um, diagnosed with an endocrine malfunction. Um, it's called McCune Albright syndrome. You can totally check it out, uh, Google it. But at the time I was like one of a handful of children who had been diagnosed with this disease in the United States. Wow. So I spent six years of my childhood living in and out of the National Institute of Health as a guinea pig for the government.
0: Wow. And so,
1: yeah, it was so crazy. It was so crazy. So what how came old, from how that? How old?
0: What ages?
1: From age six to 12.
0: Oh, so you remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So
1: um, yeah, like I went to school there, like I would stay there Uh, it would vary depending on the time. So like we would go for a month and then I would come home for a month and then we would go for three weeks and then I would come home for three weeks. And so that's like the stuff that we did for like six years and how that all came to be is because I actually started my period when I was six years old. What? So, yeah. So through this process at the NIH, they were able to stop and reverse a little bit of that through some um, testing, but, you know, nothing was approved. I mean, I was literally a guinea pig for the government through this testing. So when we left there as part of my exit plan, they were like, you know, again, we don't really know what the side effects of any of this stuff is long-term that we've done to you over the past six years. So, you know, you could be infertile, you could have breast cancer, you could have all these things, like they don't know, right? Oh my so, God. Um, so, fast forward to like me getting married. I was 26. I had just turned 26 when I got married. And um, I have a stepson who at the time was 10 years old. And so we, you know, started trying and it, nothing was working. And I had always basically been told that I would never be able to conceive mm-hmm. on my own naturally. So we went like the fertility treatment route. And so we started that in like 2017. And in 2019, we did our first rounds of IVF. Those all failed. And um, how many
0: rounds did you
1: do? Do So we did five rounds of IUI. And then we did two initial rounds of IVF. Okay. So
0: before you continue that, can we dive into that a little bit? Because mm-hmm. I know some woman listening is either in the middle of that right now or has been through that. So can you dive into like what that was like on you mentally and physically while you were going through? Cause some people will hear that and maybe if they don't know, like it's a very draining process. Um, so, And you know, I I just want the woman who's listening to understand that there's other people out there who get it. So can you just talk to us a little bit about what that particular part was like?
1: Yeah, so I can share my personal experience with that. At the time I was working, like I just told you, um, in accounting. So I was working Monday through Friday, nine to five. Um, IVF is very invasive and it's very time sensitive. Mm -hmm. So first of all, it was let's just be real and say, it was effing embarrassing to have to go to my boss and say, Hey, this is what we're, <laughs> this is what we're, um, currently doing. Yeah. Right. So I have to like explain to him while I'm, why I'm going to be late, leaving early, have mm. all of these appointments. Um, and basically I had to get his approval. Oh, and of course it's a man, able- so it makes it even right. worse to be able to like, even do that because I, you know, I was in a 40 hour a week job. Right. Right. So I live in upstate and I know you live downstate, but Mm -hmm. I live upstate in New York. And so it's country. Everything (laughs) is, you know, forever (laughs) and a day away. And so the fertility clinic that we used the office that I was going to was about an hour and a half from my house, but about two hours to two hours and 15 minutes from my job. Wow. So I would at any given day during this process, I would either go straight to the clinic from my house. So that's an hour and a half, you know, in one direction. Mm -hmm. So I would try to get like that, 8 a.m. appointment which means I'm leaving my house at 6 30 right to get to the clinic for most of the time like a 20 minute appointment to Mm. then drive two hours to work to to then work 10 hours basically instead of eight because I'm trying to flex my time Mm. and so one of the things that they tell you while you're doing this journey is to you know be as calm as possible and not to stress. And, Mm -hmm. and like, it's really a crack of shit because how can you like, how can you still show up for your everyday life Mm -hmm. in the middle of that? And so I struggled with that a lot, especially my first couple of IVF rounds, because it was so invasive and I was so exhausted and you're pumping yourself full of all these hormones every day every day, multiple Mm. times a day. Mm -hmm. And so you're doing all these things, your body is like changing at a rapid speed. And then I'm still, you know, expected to go to work full-time and show up and do that job and still be a wife and still be a stepmom and still do all of the things that that comes with. So making dinner, getting to practices, Mm -hmm. picking kids up, like all of these things, it was exhausting.
0: Yeah. Mentally, that's a lot to go through. Like just, I mean, trying to remember, okay, which shot do I need to do now? How many, how many of it, what, how many times a day, which appointment do I need to go to? Like, and that's just obviously, you know, mentally tough, the reminder that you're going through this process again and again and again. So that must've been so difficult. So what kind of like how did you support yourself during that journey? Would you have done something differently than you did it um, when you were going through it? Like what could, if someone's in that space right now, like what would you say to them?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, a great question to ask because for me, I'm very extroverted. So I have no problem sharing my story with anyone. Mm -hmm. So I really turned to social media and use that kind of as my outlet. And I know that that's not the answer for everyone. So that answer is twofold. I used my personal social media as kind of like an outlet, but then Mm -hmm. I also created a private Facebook group that like, you can't even search for it. Like you have to literally be invited to it. Um, So I created this super, super private Facebook group for women that were in this journey. Mm. So why we made it so private was because a lot of people don't share this journey right so they don't want people to see them in this group they don't want people to know that they're a part of it so we made it extremely private um and there were women from all walks of the fertility journey inside that group and what that did was kind of alleviate the idea that I'm going crazy um because and that I'm alone. Mm-hmm. And so, um, creating that community was really, really great. Also I love that. Yeah. So also I was really open with a lot of my close girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And so I had people like sending me stuff, um, from Amazon or like, you know, like little pineapple things, or just like notes in the mail, like, Hey, we're thinking about you. Mm-hmm. Um, a group of my friends threw me a trying to conceive shower instead of like a baby shower. So they did you like,
0: like that or did you not like that?
1: Yeah, it was really cool. Oh,
0: okay. It was okay. really
1: cool. So they like got like massage um, gift certificates and like oh, all cool. these things that like we could do in the process. So it was really mm-hmm. cool. That's um, so cool. Yeah. So I would definitely say like, find a core group of people, whether that's like two people or 20 people or 5,000 people, whatever Mm -hmm. you're comfortable with. Um, and really just lean into that. Mm -hmm. And also I had to really get honest with my husband about like, I might say some real, irrational shit and it's probably not me right (laughs) yeah because like the amount of hormones hormones that I was injecting into myself at any given amount of time was absolutely insane and so just to really like try to get everyone in my household on the same page like guys I'm you know gonna be short fused I'm gonna like all these things um and just letting them know what I needed beforehand as well as in the moment was really a game changer.
0: Wow. I love that. Cause that's being so proactive and anybody listening could use that with anything, whether like you are starting a new job and things are going to be weird or you are going through a career change or you're going through an infertility journey or whatever it is, like looping in your people that you're like, especially living with of like, Hey, this is what support is going to look like to me in this season. And this is also, I'm like kind of apologizing in advance of that I'm going to maybe not be myself. So, but don't come at me about it because I'm going to just cry and be pissed at you. Like, but this is what it's going to be like. (laughs) So that's so smart. Um, So like, what did how did you feel during this journey, like of trying over and over and over? I'm sure. Did you have moments where you felt like you were failing? Like, like, you know, like, what did that really, really feel like when you were going through? Cause it wasn't just like you did it one time you did, you said five rounds of IUI and three rounds of IVF at this point. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So what did that really feel like? Um, you know, on like an internal level of like on your hard days,
1: like a failure, Um, you know, because we've been conditioned as women um, to like you grow up and you have babies. Right. Mm -hmm. And there is no like in between. I don't ever remember learning about infertility or hearing about it or hear like my aunts or my cousins or anyone in my family talk about the struggles or if they struggled. Like I had no idea. So there was, a lot of time where I'm like, I don't even know who I can talk to about this because I wanted to talk to someone that was in it in real time, not someone that was like, you know, 20 years ahead or, oh yeah, like this is what we did in the seventies. Like that's outdated. So it was was so
0: beautiful about you being open about your journey because it's not like it's happening in real time. We'll get to the other side of your journey too, which is so powerful yeah. and why I want to have you on. So continue.
1: Yes. So um, I was just like, you know, I need to connect with people that are doing this in real time. Now I will say um, I can only speak for the fertility clinic that we used, but they were very good at connecting people. So like they had a private Facebook group with like all of their, um, like clients and stuff so there was like a lot of like med swapping and like all this stuff and just a place where you could go and vent and do all of these things because you know specifically speaking right now to the woman that is in the thick of this mm-hmm. you almost feel guilty for complaining about anything because mm. because you want to be pregnant right and so i had people and we'll just call them internet trolls (laughs) that would say like, well, why are you complaining? Like, this is what you wanted. Mm. Yeah. Like I want to have a baby, but that doesn't negate the fact that my feelings are not valid in this Mm. moment. And so there was like, I just didn't see enough people sharing in real time. And so I decided to use social media as a way to share in real time. And that really, for me was very therapeutic through the entire journey.
0: Yeah. Because a lot of women listening will maybe feel, and again, I have zero experience with this, which is why you were here, but I would imagine that a lot of people will feel like they can't talk about it because they feel shame. Like, Oh, like I see all these other people on friends I went to high school with, everybody's doing their gender reveal on Instagram. Everybody's saying, oh, I'm pregnant. They're putting all these things up. So maybe someone feels like, oh my God, what's wrong with me that I can't do it. I can't talk about this because I don't want people to think there's something wrong with me or I don't want people to maybe like feel bad for me or something like that. Like I'm assuming that that's something that would maybe go on in your head.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So what was it... um, Was it triggering for you to see stuff like that on Instagram of other people getting pregnant? Did you kind of have to not look at that stuff? Like, what was that part like for you? Because in the world of social media right now, we see a lot of that. Um, So I'm sure someone who's going through that would maybe have that experience where they hear all other people maybe getting pregnant and then feeling like, what is wrong with me? Yeah,
1: so that was something that was, A big struggle for me, but also a big struggle for the community, like the infertility community that that I built at that time. Um, And what it was for me personally, was that that initial like announcement was like, someone just like stabbing you in the back, right? Mm. Because you don't see it coming, you don't know it's coming. And then all of a sudden, you just like, have this Overwhelming, like feeling of jealousy, and then you feel guilty because you're jealous, and then Mm. you know you're angry, and then you feel guilty for being angry. So it's like all of these emotions, but also all of the guilt that comes with all of those initial like gut reaction Mm. motions. So it it was very very difficult. Um one of the worst times really being um any holiday right because if you think about like a pregnancy announcement or something it usually falls on a holiday Mm -hmm. um and so it was like I would get to the point where I was like preparing for battle like I just would not show up on social media around the holidays specifically Mm -hmm. on holidays um and then I was constantly muting accounts and constantly unfollowing people in that season and so if you are a woman specifically right now going through this don't feel guilty about having to shut that stuff off even if it's only for a season Mm -hmm. because um I definitely went through a phase of probably four years where every time I would see it I would just like kind of unfollow or unmute um bow out gracefully you know I wasn't making like a bold statement like oh you're pregnant so I'm I'm gonna unfriend you I wasn't doing that right Um, (laughs)
0: but (laughs) but But you're bowing out gracefully
1: yeah but Mm -hmm. just bowing out gracefully and just kind of letting them enjoy that season that they were in but also. protecting my own peace in the process.
0: Love that. I love that. And something else that just popped into my head about this, which is a good reminder for everybody listening to know to never ask this question is I'm sure, you know, after people get married, the very next thing that someone will always ask is, Oh, when are you having kids or, Oh, are you guys trying or what's going on? Like and especially older, like aunts, uncles, whatever, like they don't know, like that's really not a good question to ask anymore. Um, so if you're listening to this, never ask a woman, um, like, are you trying to get pregnant or are you guys going to have kids? Like what's going on? Because they might be trying and that might not be something that they really want to talk about. So did you come across that?
1: Yes. Um, And I'm very like, you know, there's like people that are passive aggressive and there's people that are aggressive. Mm. I am aggressive. (laughs) And so, so I have never had a problem like putting people in their place. Mm, Um, So it was not a difficult thing for me to answer, but I also know people that that would absolutely crush them. Yeah, and how did you respond? Constantly like getting that. So when people would say stuff like that to me, I would be like, hey, you know, we are, um, we're in the middle of fertility treatments. And as you guys know, or if they didn't know, like my husband is retired military. Mm. So, um, that doesn't cover anything. That insurance doesn't cover anything. So wow. it's out of pocket. So I would, when people would say on the rare occasion, you know, someone would ask me like, hey, how come you don't have any kids? And I'd be like, hey, do you have $20,000 for my next round of IVF?
0: Wow, yeah. You
1: know, and just like, let them know. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't, it's not okay to ask that. Um, <sighs> And so, like I said, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily recommend my approach because I'm very aggressive. <laughs> But but you can just, but you can just tell them or just tell them that it's none of their business because I'm right. very good at also telling people that it's none of their business.
0: Yeah. It's not. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole other side of it too. So aside from the mental and physical stress, that this is putting on your body, the financial stress of infertility treatments, because a lot of insurance companies don't cover it, or at least they don't cover all of it. And it's literally, like you said, $20,000 per IVF round, which right. is wild and that's a whole nother stress added onto it so when when doctors are like don't be stressed during this process you're like oh um, yeah is you're that like possible? I don't,
1: yeah how is that even possible
0: Okay, so we're just going to take a quick little break because I know that I said in the intro that this episode is not about, you know, things that you could do to support your fertility. It's more about the story behind it and the emotions behind it. With that being said, I do want to pop in here really quick and give you a couple of things that I do recommend supplemental-wise for fertility that have actually been linked to infertility if you're low in these specific supplements. And obviously, I do have a complete supplement training on this with a specific protocol for fertility. If you are interested in that, just check the show notes. But I just want to give you a couple of them that are really, really important. And obviously, this is just a piece to the puzzle. If you are struggling with infertility and you are going to think about doing the IVF journey, I really highly recommend working with someone. Obviously, I work with clients with this all the time. And if that is something you want support in, I would love to support you. But this is just a piece to the puzzle, okay? I would never sit here and say that these supplements are going to cure everything, okay? But they are very important. So two of the supplements that I want to talk to you about right now are vitamin D, vitamin D3 specifically, and magnesium. So vitamin D, it's actually a hormone. It's not a a vitamin. It really acts like a master hormone in our body. But when it comes to infertility, women with higher vitamin D levels were actually four times more likely to conceive via IVF than women with low levels. And this was a study that was done and um, in the book Woman Code by Elisa Vitti. She brought this to light, but it was a 2012 issue of human reproductive reproduction study that did that and then another one that she talked about in her book in the flow is that 93 percent of women struggling with infertility have below normal levels of vitamin d3 so obviously again this isn't the whole picture but it is something you can do to support yourself while you are in this fertility journey so I love the vitamin D from gut personal because you can get either capsules or a liquid form and what's really cool about that is the liquid form you can really customize the amount that you specifically need based off of the amount that's in your prenatal, based off of your level. So I personally like the liquid. That's what I take. My husband also takes it. And I like the Gut Personal brand also because it has vitamin D with vitamin K in it. And that's really important because the vitamin K actually helps you absorb the vitamin D in your body. So highly recommend that. And then as far as um, the other one that I want to talk to you about is magnesium. Now, if you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard me talk about magnesium, specifically the miracle worker from Gut Personal, because I am so obsessed with it, not just from a fertility perspective and a hormone perspective, but from a sleep perspective, a poop perspective, like it is so freaking amazing. It's specifically magnesium bisglycinate. And this is the type of magnesium that's most absorbable to the body. It helps you reduce stress and anxiety from your cortisol and, and cortisol regulation, which of course is going to help support your fertility, your ovulation, your hormones, your blood sugar, all of it. So highly recommend the Miracle Worker. They have a powdered form, which is my personal favorite. It has a strawberry flavor. I have it every single night. They also have a capsule form if that's your jam. But Uh, Gut Personal has so many amazing products. They're a sponsor of the show. I would never recommend a supplement that I don't personally take that I've tried out and I recommend to my family. Like I'm obsessed with them. And if you go to gutpersonal.com slash Corinne, you'll be able to see the vitamin D that I'm talking about as well as the miracle worker. And they also have a quiz that you could take to just see what other supplements your gut might need because that's what's really cool about this company is they specify products based off of your specific gut and your specific situation. So head to gutpersonal.com slash Corinne to check it out. And because you're a listener of this podcast, you get a sweet discount at checkout when you put in the code Corinne, C-O-R-I-N-N-E. And if you have any questions about supplementation, uh, specifically from gut personal, reach out to me. And again, if you want that training, you can look in the show notes for it. Okay. Let's head back into today's episode.
1: Basically my cards were being declined because I was spending so much money per day. Wow! Like, you know, like that cap is like, I don't know, like Let's say it's $5,000 or something a day. Yeah. I would have to like call the bank like every day and say, Hey, like I need you to take that off because this medication is $8,000. And then in between all of that, you know, you have time sensitive. Injections that have to be done, you know, in this 45-minute window, and then you have mm-hmm. to, you know, take all of these pills and all of these things. It was just so overwhelming. Yeah. So overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So um, if even if you aren't personally in this and you know someone that is, yes, like you can kind of start to see and understand like how much support people need when they're going through this Mm -hmm. and like you're not you don't even have a baby yet right when you think about supporting people people are like okay yeah we'll come when you have a newborn right but for so many of us there's this whole other beginning to that journey Mm -hmm. that you need so much support Yeah.
0: Wow. I love you brought that up. And that's a really good thing to know. Like if your friend is going through, you know, infertility, even asking them, what does support look like for you in this season? Because it's going to be different for everybody. Like, how can I support you? Do you want me to ask you about it? Do you just want me to listen when you bring it up? You know, do you want me to send you dinners? Do you like, do you want me to just come over and listen? Like, what does it look like for you? Because, and it might be different from day to day, but just having that conversation, I think is so helpful. Um, And the things that supported you, again, is finding a support group, right? Like, it's going to look different for everybody who is going through this. But I think what's really important is that you had conversations with your close people, you found support around it so you weren't going through it alone. And I think that's so powerful because with anything in our life, when we're going through something, it feels so much better when you have other people around you who get it, who know what you're going through because yes. it's also great to have support from just like a friend, which is amazing, but it's a different level of support when it's someone who understands what you're going through. So I love that you did that and you created these groups. So that's such a great tip for someone who is going through that. So yeah, okay. I want you to continue your story because there's so much more <laughs> to get into. Um, yeah. So those three rounds of IVF that was in 2000, what 17? You said that was
1: the IVF was like 2019, 2020. So okay. they were like back to back. Okay, and then what life. happened after that? Yeah, so um after I want to say like we had the second or third failure for IVF, like right. January 1st like I think I went to the clinic on the second we found out that it had failed mm-hmm. and so that is just like I it's so funny I just gave a, a keynote um speech over the weekend about this topic and the word failure just kept coming up and kept coming up because mm-hmm. you hear it when you are going through Um, you know, an an IVF journey or whatever, you hear that all the time. I'm sorry, you know, this failed, that embryo failed, this take didn't. And so you, you know, our brains, when you hear something, you know, 20 times, you start to believe it. And so I struggled with being able to separate who I was from what I was going through. And so sometimes that kind of like collided and I felt like a failure and I took on like the persona of a failure because Mm. that was what I was hearing repeatedly over and over and over again. So I just want to say also how vital and how just much it matters the words that you speak to yourself and the Mm. words that you hear around you so again going back to that you know finding a community that can pour into you when you can't pour into yourself Mm. because thankfully for me you know I had that group of people that were like no you're not a failure like you're a warrior you're you know and they were speaking life into me instead of you know, allowing me to like live in that, that ideal of me being a failure.
0: Whoa.
1: So the pandemic becomes the thing.
0: Yeah. Wait, and- hold on before you continue. Cause that was so good. Yeah. Um, so that was really, really powerful because, so were there different, words that you kind of like, did you switch it from like, okay, this wasn't a failure. I'm a warrior. Like what was some of the words that you like kind of flipped it? Because when we hear that over and over, like we have to replace it with something. Um, So instead of thinking, oh, it was an IVF failure. Like, did you think of it in a different way?
1: You know, I really started toying around with affirmations and with mantras and with um, just like different phrases. So, and you're right when you have this limiting belief, which at the moment, mine was, I was a failure, right? You have to have a combating truth to fight that with. And so, yeah. So I really just, um, had a bunch of mantras, you know, I journaled so much. So I, i am a strong, firm believer in gratitude and in a gratitude practice. And so I spent every morning doing the same morning rhythm of writing out a gratitude. So even though, you know, I may have felt like a failure in that specific moment, I did allow myself to process those feelings, right? Because I never wanted to Not validate what I was feeling. Totally. Um, So it wasn't so much of like, oh, like knocking myself out, like, no, you're not a failure. Mm -hmm. I definitely allowed myself to feel those feelings, but then I would come back with, you know, um, I'm resilient. I'm strong. I'm brave. You know, mm. I'm a warrior, those type of things.
0: I love that. And those are, okay. I love all of that because you let yourself feel it. Cause you don't want to push it down and mask what you're feeling. Cause that's not healthy either. And I like that you made statements that you believe, right? Like I am strong. I am resilient, right? Cause a lot of times people will do mantras or affirmations where it's like, I am like, I'm pregnant or I'm I'm the most fertile person in the world, like, you know, whatever, like random statements that you're like, but that's not true. And it makes your brain be like, what are you talking about? And you don't believe it. So like saying statements that you do believe and you just had to continuously remind yourself of them, of I'm strong. I'm resilient. I'm a warrior. Like I love that. That's so, so powerful. And finding gratitude in that season, I'm sure wasn't always easy, but I love that you went back to that because even in those hard seasons, there's something to be grateful for. Right. Even if it was like the littlest thing uh, each right. day. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And even, and even in all of that, you know, so through those first three failed rounds, you know, I still was working, Mm-hmm. full time monday through friday yeah. so even if like i i definitely expressed a lot of gratitude for my boss in that in that season because yeah. one he's a guy and so <laughs> they like don't really show emotion right yeah. and <laughs> yeah. also like i mean thankfully his wife is one of my friends and so i feel like that kind of helped mm-hmm. but I was still very grateful that he went to bat for me with the rest of like the, the admin team, because even though he knew my story, like not everybody in the company knew exactly what I was doing. Right. So he was, he was so good at like, kind of shielding me from that like initial outside people at work. And so I was very grateful for that as well. And for Having, you know, supportive coworkers mm-hmm. who were supporting me and not the like, well, how come she gets to come in early or leave late? And what's right. she doing? Like all of that. So I was very grateful for the work environment that I had, even though it was super stressful, you know, because that was an additional four hours a day yeah. that I was like trying to juggle. Right. You know, so it just wow. yeah it, it was yeah,
0: wild. but, it's, but it's mantras great.
1: and affirmations for sure. Um, like I said, those ones that are very like any I am statement, you know, mm-hmm. was very helpful.
0: Yeah, because it's it's going back to your identity, right? Like that's who you are. What you're experiencing with the IVF and all that—that's not who you are at your core. That's an experience right. you're having. So right. separating that, which is very difficult, especially in the moment. It's really powerful because you need to kind of separate yourself from that. Otherwise, it's going to just totally consume you. And even when you're looking for those gratitudes like you were, I'm sure it was so easy to only look at all the hard parts that were going on. But instead, you chose to, of course, you know, you knew that was happening too, but to also look at what good things were happening because that's going to help your brain. It's going to help you focus on those things and it's just going to help you in the process. So I love that. So, yeah. okay. So, um, you were continuing. So January 2nd, you had that let third round second or third round. You said that didn't go well, that it was quote unquote yeah. failed.
1: And so at that point we had decided to like take a break. Mm-hmm. And so our contract with the fertility clinic at that time was, um, it was going to be up uh, June 1st of 2020. Mm -hmm. So we were like, let's just take a couple of months to like breathe to not have to be, you know, having 70 hours worth of stuff crammed into 40 hours Mm -hmm. during the week. And like, I just needed a break. I needed to be able to sleep like a full eight hours and just, Mm -hmm. you know, my body needed rest. I had so many bruises and welts on my stomach and my arms and my butt and my leg from all of these shots and just like my veins were shot. It was like to the point where I would go in for blood work and it was like three or four pokes every time just Mm -hmm. because my veins were like, what is going on? Like we only have so much blood to give. Right. So, (laughs) yeah. So we were just like, we need a break. And so it was around the end of February that I was just like, you know what? I just, I need like a legit break. Like, I don't even want to work anymore. Like, so yeah. I went from like this, you know, in it, like this straight on hustle mode to like, I need to rest. And like, I need to rest for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and then 2020 happens. (laughs) Yeah. So this was like
1: February of 2020. So then, you know, we decided like towards the end of February that that's what, that was the plan. That's what I was going to do. And so I put in my two weeks notice the first week of March. And by the time my two weeks notice up was up you know covid lockdown. was a full on thing we were yeah. in lockdown and um i can remember like at my going away party like they were like you know what are you going to do and i was like well i was gonna leave in <laughs> april but i guess like i'll just push my trip off to the fall but like i'm still out of here yeah. right because we <laughs> That's were what we still cuz we were like in this like oh yeah we we just need 2 weeks to like yeah. get Yes, Get rid of this, and then we're just gonna go on about our lives exactly and, what it was. And we all know that that did not happen, yeah. Here and we so, are, two years
0: later, yeah. <laughs> so,
1: in the beginning of like April, the fertility clinic sent out some letters like, Listen, we were past the two weeks that they said that we had to do, and we have no idea what the foreseeable future is going to look like, right? So, what we do know is that we are considered essential so if you get in now while we're still technically open then we don't have to close to be able to for you to finish your round okay so they were like encouraging people to like to get really in. jump on the ball while they could because if at any moment things could turn one way or the other exactly at least you were in right and so um we were just kind of like, Oh yeah, we don't know. Like, I still was like, wait a minute. Like I'm supposed to be resting yeah. like, this yeah. is my rest period. And we had two embryos left and they were the worst two embryos that made it out of that last round of embryos. Mm-hmm. And so they were graded, um, fair and poor mm. and, um, as of may 31st of that year we would have to start paying rent for these two embryos to stay at the clinic. Wow. And so that's the other thing about infertility. So usually when you sign on so let's say you know the we'll just use $20,000 that doesn't cover anything past the first year. Mm-hmm. So if you don't use all of whatever you get within that year and they have to keep embryos in the freezer or anything like that, you have to pay for that. Wow. And that's an additional fee. So at this particular clinic, it was like, I don't know, it was like six or $700 a month to keep wow. them in the freezer. And we're like, yeah, no, like we're yeah, not, doing, we're not that. doing that. We're not doing that. And like you guys said, like these embryos aren't really that good anyway. So right. we're not going to pay like an additional fee for them. And mm-hmm. so we talked about it and we were just like, all right, we're just going to do this like last Hail Mary attempt at trying to get pregnant and mm-hmm. they had agreed to let us transfer both embryos at the same time because they were graded so poorly, they let mm-hmm. us do both of them at the same time. So, May 18th of 2020, I went in for the transfer and that was like full blown COVID at that time. So everybody was like double masked up shielding. So May 18th of 2020 was when we did our transfer and we transferred both embryos by May 23rd. I knew that I was pregnant. Wow. How'd you know? Um, I had like lower back pain and like all this stuff that never happened any other time. So, and at this point I considered myself like a seasoned fertility guru, right? So I'm like, there's stuff happening right now that I've never experienced. And we've been doing this for five years. So like, Mm -hmm. I just knew in my gut that I was pregnant. And so I like started testing. And what's so weird about IVF too is like, even though we transferred, I think on the 18th, um, we transferred like day six and day seven embryos so like once you do all the fertility math I was like basically a month pregnant within a week because of how how. far along the blasts were for the embryos so like the science is is crazy Mm. um so I go in for a blood test and um they confirm that I'm pregnant and then I go back the next week for an ultrasound. And they're like, uh, there's two heartbeats. And we were like, what? Oh my gosh. So I'm like, you guys said these were the worst embryos and they both took yeah. like, what is going
0: on? Yeah. Now, was this the first positive pregnancy from IVF that you had had?
1: Yes. It was okay. the first, first positive pregnancy I'd ever had. Okay. Like wow. IVF or not.
0: Mm, okay yeah and then they're like hi by the way you have twins in there by the way there's two of them
1: and so oh we were like you wasn't oh shocked
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh my god what just happened
1: <sighs> because and so it was like this whole like paradigm shift because yeah. we went from like five years of hearing no Nothing. over and over and over again you know sometimes month after month after month mm-hmm. till all of a sudden it was a yes but a double yes yeah. and so we were what did that like, feel like it was overwhelming yeah <laughs> yeah that's a great word it was so it was so overwhelming um and not like a bad overwhelm but just yeah. so overwhelming because Almost as instant as it was, like joy and excitement, it was also like fear mm-hmm. because we were in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah,
0: right? like, and you're like, never- now it takes.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Like I've never lived through a pandemic before. So the like, end. I like, I don't know. So I've never been pregnant before, but right. I've also never been pregnant during a global pandemic. So right. it was like almost instantaneously like excitement and mm. absolute fear.
0: Yeah. Because we
1: had no idea like what that was going to look like.
0: Oh my God. When you were going into this round with those two, were you, was your mindset kind of just like, did you think at this point, you're like, nah, I don't think it's going to work, but like, let's just try it. Or were you like still hopeful about it? Were you not really thinking about it as much? Like, what was your mindset like going into it this fourth time, especially knowing that they said the embryos were poor and fair? I
1: can honestly say that I don't, I, I guess I just didn't really think about it mm-hmm. um, because it wasn't that I went in with the expectation of it failing, right? But also, like, I didn't know anything other than the failure. Right. So it was just kind of like, at that point, it became routine. So So it's going through emotions. So I was, like, almost detached from the process of it and just Mm -hmm. kind of, like, whatever happens, happens. Right. Right. So deep down, I would say I was a little nervous, a little um, fearful because Mm -hmm. I knew that no matter what the outcome was this was the last time like we decided that like we weren't also going to like do another round after this so this was it for us
0: Okay, that is it for part one of this episode, and if you know somebody that maybe is experiencing infertility or IVF or anything like that and you think this would be helpful for them, I would love if you could share it with them because I just think that it's so powerful when you hear somebody else in your situation speaking out about it, and next week, next Tuesday is when part two of this episode is going to come out, and that's where we really dive into... The deep part of her story that is just so intense. There's a lot of grief in there. Like it's really, really powerful. So I'm excited for you to stay tuned and listen to the next part, but I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will see you next time and I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you so much for being here. If you loved this episode and learned something valuable, please share it with a friend who you think would also love it or post it on social media and tag me so I could personally say thank you for helping me spread this important message. I am beyond grateful to be here with you. So until next time, stay intentional, stay consistent, and always mind your hormones.